Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. This is from Bricktown. Dad, how you doing? Doing wonderful. Right? Everything's good. And family's good. Nobody, nobody's sick. And uh, we ought to, ought to be, be happy with that. And the country's slowly but surely recovering from the C-19 stuff. And uh, I'm, I'm in good shape. For an old guy, I'm doing very well. Here you've been doing your walking and your exercising. Yes, I did. I was up in in Chapel Hill last last week and uh, had to take the wife to the uh, uh, dentist, you know, dentistry, dental school, and uh, you got to get, get looked at by a specialist there. And I talked to the, the head of the, the dental school, and he was I was asking him about uh, where he lived and if he ever rode rode the bus the bus system. And he said, yeah. So I said, you know, I started that bus system. He said, well, he, drives, he rides, the, rides the bus system every day. And I guess the thing is, that's, that's probably in many ways one of my signature achievements. Because I, I wrote the original uh, route for the sea route at that time on my kitchen table. And, uh, you know, Chapel Hill is, is where I went to I got my, my two master's degrees from. And, it's uh, you know, it's, it's a big, big place now. Uh, the bus system is a big, big deal. I mean, everybody we got these big buses. It's always, it's always full, and it's a good thing. But he's talking about how he, how he rides the, the bus every day instead of driving. But I can understand that dental school and the whole medical complex is huge. I mean, I think we've got, it looks like they had six, six different park, parking decks. And each of them is about four stories high. So it's... It, 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 Deals with a lot of people as, as, as a medical complex. I've been been up been up in a long time, but it, it's a massive thing. And he was talking about it, and I find it fascinating that somebody like like him, him, he's probably uh, well, he's probably close to my age. I think maybe a little younger. He's in the 60s at least. And we had a long discussion. But but as a doctor, he he looked at my uh, my wife as she was going through things where she has some, some dental problems. And he was talking about that and saying what it's doing. And almost all the dentists that are actually in the state were his students at some point. So he knows all the, all the dentists and everything else. And we were talking about that. And she tried to get her, her mouth together for, for that because she had, she had a cracked tooth. And the doctor, the dentist, didn't do a good job of pulling it out. So we're trying to deal with that. But it's slowly but short. She's getting better. And uh, But we talked about the evolution of Carborough, and the one thing, I, when I say to people that, uh, how did you get here today? Or well, I say, do you, have, do you ride the bus? Everybody says yes. It's t- that whole bus system, which was a tremendous uh, fight to get it, get it done, was, was uh, a signature achievement probably in my life. Uh, it wasn't something I thought about at the time. I mean, we just we just did it. But to tell you that, remember, Carver and Chapel Hill are adjoining cities, and uh, all the students, pretty much at that time when I was when I was mayor, lived in Carver, but they had no way of getting to Chapel Hill. And since that time, we built a, a highway for bicycles, and we built the uh, the bus system. Basically, Chapel Hill had a bus system, but had no riders, so we had all the riders and no bus system. So our whole thing is we were a little town, and it just really, you know hand-to-mouth kind of town, really, basically. We had about a million-dollar budget, but it was still, that's not much for a town. And given that, we asked the university to help out. 
and the university's provost at that time told me he wouldn't give us a dime. He said, you go ahead and do this yourself, and he didn't think it was a dime. So that day, we, we, we printed up 3,000 flyers and gave it to every student, which was our, 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 and, and the various projects we had, or, or actually, apartment complexes we had. We had, a, we had a bunch of them then and now. And said, if you want a bus system, you need to call these people and say you want a bus system. It had the provost number. It had the uh, it had the provost's number. It had the uh, president's number. And all the top officials, the deans. Well, that Monday after that, I sort of gave them out on Friday. That Monday, the provost was sitting, was, when I got to the town hall, Provost was standing in front of town hall, and he and he said to me, "We couldn't use it. Nobody, none of us could use our phones the entire weekend because it was they, the phone lines were jammed." And he would give us whatever we needed to do. If it was something to do with the the university, they paid ninety percent of it. If it was any other route that we decided we might want, we'll pay they pay half of it. And. Uh, now it's, it's 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 a big part of the two the two towns unity number one, and it's a big part of that of the whole university. It's just that and the fact that we also went to the uh, Department of, of Transportation and and, and uh, Washington, and we said to them, we want to have something to get these these uh, have a bikeways, and we want to do some other things for transportation. Well, the head of the OMB, I was in the White House, well, the head of the OMB came, came there and said, uh, oh, really? And so why don't you go over to the Department of Transportation, I'll arrange for you to have a meeting with the Deputy Secretary. And I did that. And he was the former mayor of Detroit at that time. And so we went over there, and uh, he said, well, we have a, a big grant coming out for bicycles and stuff, for transportation and stuff. It comes out in two months. Why don't you put an application in? So we did. And we got 90% of the money for the south, for the our region, basically our, our southern region, and uh, got got 90 90% of all the money we got, and we built a highway for bicycles. I mean, it's, it's got you know it's just paved. It's right next to a railroad track, and it, it curves into Chapel Hill, and basically it's uh, it's a highway for bicycles. The first one at the time, and when the uh, Reagan administration came in, the Secretary of Transportation came by to come look at it. It's so odd. It was the first one in the whole country. That's among the things that we did as, as, as mayor. But transportation was a big deal because we had all these students and no way to get to get there. And among the things that have happened is they built an extra two, three park, park index number one. But number two, this bus system is always full. The times I've been up there, and I go up there infrequently, but I still go up there. Uh, the buses are always full of full of students and everything else. And we actually were the first university system to have a way for when the bus system shut down, which was about nine o'clock. We did a deal with the uh, local cab drivers, basically, and the students could, could get you show their bus pass, and they'd pay like a dollar, and they would take them to their house, to their apartment. It was called. Uh, it was a ride-sharing program, and it basically saved the the taxi thing and, and raised it up. And those are among the things we did. Those those, those years we were in Carver, were we always were doing something different and innovative. And to this day, they still are doing all those things. 
we decided we wanted to have a basically a park system. So we had this little little baseball park, softball park, and we had no money for that either. So, McCarver is a small little was small little town at that time. We had about you know eight or ten thousand people. It's now I think double that size at least. And so we went up there to the uh, the Carter administration, Department of Transportation, and we said we want to do something in recreation. We do something in park system. So we applied for them, and they gave us a million dollars to build a, a new park west. And it's one of the best parks for a little town in the whole country. It's got a, you know, we, we then went to the Corps of Engineers and told the Corps of Engineers we wanted them to help build it, and they did it. This was during a time when, uh, as I said, Jimmy Carter was the president, and they were very, and basically the, the Carter administration was very good for little towns. And, and did innovative things. They weren't like, like the, every time the Republicans come in, they always cut. They always cut the taxes, and, and say, "Okay, you don't get nothing from us. We'll give it to just our buddies." That's why we have a tax increase with the Republicans we have right now that we got last year, just just for the people who had a lot of money. The little guys got nothing. Uh, and 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 given that, guys, I'm on the air. So, so we're trying to. Uh, my, my granddaughter's here, and, and my daughter's here, and, and they're they're working hard over there. They're cooking something. I'm not sure what, but it's always it's always delicious. They're both good cooks. It's always delicious. Of course, one of them, I won't say which one, is um, a savant in Mexican food. She could cook for Chipotle's. So uh, we have that very often. And now, now, Dad, remind me about this bike race that you did oh yeah that's what's interesting uh, because of the transportation thing and a lot of people ride bikes the highways for bicycles I arranged uh, newspapers and I arranged uh, a uh, bicycle race between me and the police chief and we had to make about three stops between town hall and the other end of Chapel Hill now I had to make three stops in the banks and a couple other places but we started at Town Hall, and I rode a bike through, from one end of the town to the other, and the police chief drove, drove under, on his, on, under the speed limit, but he drove to these same three stops, and I beat him from one end of the town to the other. It was about, I'd say, four or five miles. I was in, much younger then, and I was in pretty good shape, so I remember I practiced <laughs> it a couple of times. And uh, we, we did that, but it was... Uh, that was among the things that we did. We're just so innovative. That was before we actually had the highway for bicycles. We just went down the main street streets between the two towns. And the two are two joining towns, and they, they, they always have had differing uh, ethoses about what they wanted to be. Garber is always a little little sister kind of kind of town, and Bale was making it when when I, when I became mayor. And we just had uh, new ideas and had new people. Uh, it's now an innovative place. The, the new mayor is just wonderful. They have internet for the whole town, as an example. And they're doing stuff that you know we, that we started basically 30 years ago, and are still being done. Uh, Carmel Mall, and I think we have got, they've got about four or five parks. Everything is being done that way. That's a good thing. So all of this is what, what goes on, and those those are what we kind of did in those days when I was younger. And full of uh, piss and vinegar, I should say. So, 
But we're here uh, at my at my abode, uh, abode here, and um, I live in four geodesic domes in our RV park in the middle of it. And our RV park is the most unusual RV park in the whole country. We have glamping pods, we have tiny houses, and we just now built the, the largest yurt in, in the whole country. It seats 100 people. It's going to be a conference center. So we we just done innovative things, and we keep on going. And we make sure we're members of the Chamber of Commerce in both Moore County, which is the richest county in the state, and, and, and Scotland County, which is one of the poorer counties in the state. And the difference is, uh, and they're right next to each other, is just stark. But uh, we, we're, we, we are currently full, and we've been full for years. And this is on the land that my great-grandfather bought for a dollar an acre in 1890. And he was freed as a slave when he was nine years old. So we, we, that's, that's, what we, that's what we do all day. And, you know, the, everybody works out. And as I said, my, my granddaughter's here and my daughter's here. And um, some of my grandchildren are here. I've got, one, I've got a little guy here who's looking at me saying, he's, we just want to talk to you guys. He's afraid to talk. But he, he's, he's doing fine. We, we, have, we have a, an interesting bunch of folks here today for, for the uh, day visiting. That's good. But uh, What's going on in the world scene, Dan, and national politics? Well, it's interesting, but uh, we have the potential. Joe Biden has the potential of remaking America. If he gets this infrastructure bill passed, and he gets some of the other things passed, and he, he and he and the, the key thing is the, is the center in Arizona and the one in West Virginia. If he gets those two things passed, we'll be a different country, literally. Uh, those were things that I often wonder why we couldn't do. But I have a feeling once it gets started, it'll be like a, like a snowball going downhill. And I can't imagine a major party with people who are supposed to be smart say they don't want to do this because we gave all our money, all the money from, from, from the country to the rich folks. The poor folks could, don't have to get anything. We don't give them anything, but we don't, we don't have to get anything. And I think it's, it's, it's the worst thing I could ever, you could ever do as a politician. And I'm just amazed at it. But this, this and, and the stuff that Biden's doing, the stuff that Reverend Barber's doing, Eastern North Carolina, uh, part of the poor folks campaign that he's got, and I, I, these these people are going to re- revolutionize our country, and it's, it's it's important that we do that. By the way, the two the two senators from Georgia that that ran and won, I predicted they would win because I thought that they, that, that after after what what had happened with the uh, Trumpers and everything else, and and that's why you have all these these voting suppression laws around the country. That's the most anti-democratic thing I've ever seen in our, in our country. If they're able to keep these things going, and that's because people have slept. They elected all of these Republicans because people didn't go to the polls. But they're a, a very minority party, and, it's start, and they're shrinking. And everything they're doing is to stop people from voting, which is a major thing in our country. It's a part of our, our ethos. And uh, that's, that's what we, we, we're looking at and saying, why are we doing this? What's happening with this? But I have a feeling that the, the goodness of a country will uh, finally prevail. 
and I think Biden was the best person we could have had to get rid of Trump. And my suspicion and my prediction is he's going to prison. I'm not sure how they're going to work that out, and it'll probably be a, a, some kind of a luxurious president on him. But, uh, you know, he's got Secret, Secret Service protection for, you know, 10 years. So I guess the Secret Service people will be in prison with him. They may have to construct a special prison just for him and his wife, I guess. But I think that's going to happen. Because he's been such a crook for so long. and so many things he's doing. I mean, it's just egregious that we could have elected this con man. And he has basically done everything possible to steal from the federal government as many times as possible. We have paid a couple million dollars to him and his, his, his crew since he's been out of office. So he needs to just, you know, go away and, and, and it was just the most egregious thing we as a country did by a number of people, including people that I know, decided they didn't want to go to the polls at all. When, when, when Barack Obama got out of office, they didn't particularly like Hillary Clinton for some of the things that she had done with when she had passed a law that said, we're going to stop these predators in black communities, basically, and then wonder why black people didn't vote for her. But, you know, that was, that was really the, the key to, to that, is they didn't, we didn't come out and vote many times. I voted, voted for her because she was better than the other guy. But a lot of people didn't vote for her. And a lot, like a whole bunch of guys that are proud boys and, and that crew decided that they were basically going to come out and vote, and they voted for the Trumper. Even though, and even though he lost the election, that election also, the Electoral College, which is something we need to get rid of, uh, basically got him elected. It was like a quirk of fate. Republicans have, have only won one of the last eight elections by popular vote. And we need to get rid of the Electoral College, which was put in initially in, during, during the Revolutionary War, basically in colonial times, to keep landowners and rich people to vote. And remember, when they did the census, people of color, like myself, only three-fifths of a vote of a person. So we've, we've come a long way, and I think we're about to do some interesting things. And the District of Columbia needs to be able to be have a senator and a, and a delegate in Congress. I think that's going to happen. But we're relying on, on two semi-Republicans, the lady from Arizona and the, and, lady, and the guy from West Virginia. And they want to keep the filibuster intact. In, in and the filibuster was just a, a, a tool to stop segregation or the or, segregation area to error too. So, but uh, well, we're doing this, and and my my son my sons and my grandsons are doing. The, the television is kind of loud, guys. Well, they're, they're going to cut it. They're going to cut it down now. So, so you say Biden's doing a good job, a great job. Job better than I, I voted for him, but it was a job job better than I thought he'd ever do. It's keeping him alive primarily, and his picking of Kamala Harris was a, a masterstroke. Remember, even though she was the state attorney general and the senator, being vice president is a completely different job. She's learning on, on the fly on this, but she's doing a good job, and her instincts are good. She's a uh, a proud member of, uh, I 
think it's AKAs, or Deltas, one or the other. I think she's an AKA. And uh, one of the major black sororities, and for people out here who don't know that, there are four major black sororities and four major black fraternities. Me and the the son that's with me are members of Phi Beta Sigma. You know? That's us. Yes, that's us. Yes. And it's uh, Phi Beta Sigma and the Alphas are really the intellectual black black fraternities. And the AKAs are affiliated with uh, the Kappa Alpha Alpha Kappa Alpha Psi, which is one of the other fraternities. And I I, I played in New York City and Harlem. How did you play? That's the question I have. What what made you decide to play Sigma? It's very strange because I really originally had planned on playing in Omega, but I, after I got out of the army, uh, my uh, one of my, my friends was a Sigma, one of the guys I grew up with. And he said that he told me that he was going to have a pledge class. I said I went to one of the pledge meetings, and I said, and they had a big class. Our pledge group was about like 13, 14 people, and uh, basically we, uh, I said, well, I guess I'll join Sigma. And I joined Sigma, and that's how I got into politics. My really but it's a Sigma. Uh, I went to one of the one of the regional meetings, and then I went to a national meeting. And I said there was a position open for a regional person, and a position open for a national person. I said, well, I think I'll run for second national vice president. And at that time, the, the headquarters of Phi Beta Sigma was in Brooklyn, which is one of the boroughs of Queens. And I went over and talked to the, the uh, person who was in charge of the Sigma, the executive director. They call him executive secretary, basically. And uh, talked about it and everything else. And, and most of, at that time, most of the people who were voters were from that region, the eastern region, which spread it from, went from basically Virginia to uh, Maine. And uh, they had most, most of the most votes that I ran and got elected. And I was older, and so uh, the president at that time, Jay McNeil, said to me, we'll give you whatever money he knows to go to every region and get the students, get, get young people involved. As I look at Sigma, that was the most revolutionary thing that we ever did up until that point. And the fact that Sigma is what it is is because what I did in those two years, I was, I was second vice president. But I went to I was the first person of Sigma that went to every single region in the country. And we met, and we met, and we, I met people, so we need to come to regionals, and we got to do stuff. And now when I go, I went to one with, with, with you a couple of years ago, because you're a Sigma, and basically undergraduates dominate the whole thing. And that's a good thing. And there's still some, some old, old heads that are doing crazy stuff to, to do their politics, but that's what got, got me into politics. And because of me, me being a Sigma, it, it changed my entire life, my life, my life course. And change yours too, Rudy. And that's a, that's a good thing. And uh, I would say that in many ways, the influence of Phi Beta Sigma in that situation and lots of other situations would change because of, of me being second vice president. And this is now, I did that in six, 1968. And because of that, basically, the black fraternities, all of them have changed. And I, I've done a lot of things that, are, that are, I will never get credit for that were really revolutionary, and they were good things. Now, I, when I look at the national scene, 
uh, I, had a, I had a city council that said, you need to go and raise money if you can. I doubled the town's tax base while I was there. We built buildings. We built parks. We, we built uh, the highway for bicycles. You name it, we did it because we were younger and didn't know any better. Now we, we, we look around and we look at all of the black mayors that we have now. When I was a black mayor, all of us, I won't say we're fitting up to full, but there was about, only about 35 of us in the whole country. Now there's, I think, a couple hundred. And all places that I never would have thought we would ever be. In places that were, when I visited them, were, were just awful places. And now we're, 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 we've become a society that is more egalitarian, more diverse, and a lot of different things are happening. And I, I say that to say that a lot of what I did has influence on a lot of things that are going on nationally. And that was in, you know, 1960, 1972, I guess, when I, I started some of this stuff. And in 82, I guess, is, is when I uh, basically elected. And stayed, stayed in office four terms, once as, a, as, a, as an alderman and three times as mayor. Uh, so it's, it's been an interesting thing. And it's, I like, go to Carboard now, not even the same place. I went through there the other day to see some. So we went through the dental school. We went by, went to Carver, visited some friends of mine who have been part of that revolution years and years ago. Hey, Dad, make sure you're speaking directly into the phone. Okay. Is that and better? Perfect. And go ahead and uh, tell us what the future is. I think the future for the country is bright because I think that. There are people now who are saying this is something we need to do. The Republican Party is shrinking, and I think it's going to go through a metamorphosis. As I said in an earlier telecast, they have become the do-nothing party of the 21st century. They do nothing. They want to go back. And if you listen to what they're talking about, they say, we only want to give money to rich people. We're going to let the old poor people pay for it, and we only want to give money to rich people. Poor people's campaign, a Reverend Barber, and the stuff he's doing will revolutionize the whole country. And that's a good thing. And, uh, you know, we, we've, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of what I did, and I'm proud of what you're doing, and your generation is doing. And millennials will, will change us into a much, much better person. At 76, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of everything I see around me. So that's good. By the way, if you guys happen to be in the area of Pinehurst or Laurenburg, come and see uh, the Oasis Campground, because we're here waiting for you to come, even though we usually are full. But still, please come on by. It's the most unusual park in the RV park in the whole country. Richard, how, Rudy, how are we coming on time? Uh, I think we got about five more minutes. What else, is there anything else on your mind? Are you good? Well, I'm, I'm I'm pretty good. It's it's uh, uh, it's been a, been a wonderful time for me, and I'm actually very helpful. I'll say to everybody who are my my age group, make sure you get a will. I'm doing redoing my will again. I was redoing it yesterday, so we'll redo it, and I'll get it published and everything, and get everything done for, for the next generation. So, anyway, folks out there, everybody be good. Adios, muchachos. Bye-bye. And live long and prosper, Dad. I love you. Okay. Thank you.